0: From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Jake Skorheim, your host. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up this hour. We've got some goods. Uh, let's see. What are we com- talking about next? You're going to love it. Oh, yeah. Radioactive Wolves in Chernobyl in Ukraine. You don't want to miss that promise. All right. Uh, joining us now for this segment, as always, we have Lisa Brooks. Lisa, welcome. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you as well. Did you have a nice weekend?
0: It was nice.
1: Did you, uh, how's your little puppy doing? Your new puppy. A lot
0: of Quincy bonding. A lot of Quincy. the best dog. And I've loved the comments. You asked people to d- determine what kind yeah, of dog we put, he we was. Yeah, we put some
1: pictures of him on the Facebook page if anybody's interested. Lisa adopted a new dog from Korea is that He's right? from South, Korea. South Korea. I got him
0: from a rescue organization locally called Saving Great Animals.
1: Yeah, South Korea, I assume.
0: I, I, yes, yeah, I'm not sure North Korea is not adopting dogs.
1: Wouldn't now. that be crazy if you got a dog from North Korea? It
0: would be interesting. It would be yeah. interesting.
1: Uh, And he's doing well. He's doing great. He's
0: really good. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: he's getting used to our our world.
0: I believe so, yeah. He sits, he lies down, he pretty much pays attention to me. I've met him. He's a sweet dog. He's a good
1: boy. He's a good boy. (laughs) Uh, Matt, you're a good boy, too. Welcome, Matt. How you doing? I feel patted on the head right (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, All right, so we're going to get to this, but before we get into the news roundup, I'm going to play you the clip. We play for everyone, Lisa. I'm going to give you a chance to listen to this. Okay. You're going to get a chance to guess, just like all of our listeners did on the text line triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. Here you go. Good luck, and I know you're going to get it immediately. You ready? Ready. <laughs> All right. It's a short one, but a sweet one. That's Lisa?
0: my favorite movie I knew of it was. You had
1: mentioned it before, so I knew oh, you were going to get it immediately.
0: Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Yeah.
1: Matt, you knew it instantly, too. Oh, yeah. All of wow. our listeners, there's that's not a movie single movie. person who got this wrong. This is just one of those unanimous ones that everybody knows. It's so ubiquitous. Everybody's so aware of it that they just go, yes, that's Field of Dreams. Now, is there a single person out there? There actually is. Somebody texted me. They said, that, yuck, I hate this movie, <gasps> which is... That person doesn't have a soul, I don't think.
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: What is it about Feel the Dreams You Love? Let's just talk about this for a second, then we'll get into this roundup. But what do you love about that movie?
0: First of all, it's magic. It is magic. It is about hopes and dreams and magic and possibilities and time and space and love. Yes. And It's about all those things. It's And Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah, he was wonderful.
1: Matt, you like this movie too, yes?
2: I mean, Lisa summed it up better than I could. It's It's all of those things. It's just, it's,
1: I can't say it better. Do you you know what I love about this movie so much? What I love about it is it shouldn't exist. Now, I know it was a a fairly popular book, which is why I think it was made into a movie. Because if you were to go in and pitch this movie, you were going to say, hey, I got a good idea for a movie. Uh, This guy's going to have a cornfield. Somebody talks to him in the cornfield, and he hears things. He makes a baseball field, and then he goes and he travels back in time. They would go, well, that's the dumbest story I've ever heard of in my life. That's dumb. But because they had this proof of concept in this successful book... Mm -hmm. And because they had Kevin Costner. Like, also without Kevin Costner, I doubt that movie gets made. Everything about it, though, there's just a few movies out there that are kind of perfect. And this is one of those movies who's just perfect. It delivers on the concept, which is like you were saying. It has this magical quality to it. He's out there walking in the cornfield. We've all experienced this. I don't know what it is, but there is something about walking in a cornfield. Have you ever walked through tall corn? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it feel like you're on another planet. I was
0: kind of scared.
1: It is scary. <laughs> also cuz another great movie signs. Signs like scared yeah. me. Children of, of the one. Corn. Yeah. Children of the Corn which I didn't watch. So I don't actually watch scary movies. Uh but I do like M Night Shyamalan, so I watched Signs. But uh uh what were we talking about? Feel the Dreams. Feel the Dreams does have this magical quality and it maintains it throughout yeah. the entire movie.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's just it's it's a preposterous idea. Yep. He plows a cornfield and then baseball players from the 1930s and forties show up. Is it forties? Shoeless Joe Jackson. It's, it's.
0: I think it's. Is it the twenties? A teens or twenties? It's the twenties, thirties, something. The Chicago Black Sox team, I guess. is yeah. What they're called? played they by Bums. Ray Liotta. Yeah.
1: Who's just fantastic is that in that his movie? First
0: movie or something. I mean, he was just a child. Question. Very young.
1: Do
2: either of you know who was originally considered for the role that Costner played?
0: No. Uh
1: don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Tom. No, Tom Cruise would have been too young at the time. Just hit me with it. Who is it? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. You had Tom, a, Hanks. It was a Tom. Yeah. Tom Hanks would have been great. Tom Hanks would he have also awesome been great. It off. Yeah.
0: Kevin Costner because he has the baseball background because he was a ball player. Yeah. I think it makes it even more legitimate.
1: And now they do games. That field is yes. still there. And they play this wonderful—it's wonderfully the Major, major League yeah. Baseball has like adopted this crazy weird field and turned it into a real thing. And now they play professional yeah. baseball games. Did you I see think-
0: the video when Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. walked out of the corn together? No! <gasps> it's an amazing video. It's on YouTube. You can find it. I'm going to
1: find it right after this break. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. That would make me cry.
0: Yeah. It, it's perfect. Oh, my perfect. gosh.
1: I told you guys my Ken Griffey story, right? When I was no. just screaming and shouting at him. No. So, okay, this is way off tangent. We'll us do it for a second. So I'm at the um I'm at the Kingdom. You remember the Kingdom? Sure. I'm at the Kingdom. I'm sitting in center field. Uh, my parents take me to this game and my dad must have known how much I mean, obviously they knew how much I love Griffey. He was my absolute favorite player in the world. Like anybody who grew up in this region. Sure. Matt, you didn't grow up here, but are you aware of Ken Griffey Jr.? I am
2: well aware, yes.
1: Okay. So was he as popular in Missouri as he was here? Well, I didn't really grow up in Missouri either. I just figured where Where'd he was, you grow up? Yeah, where were All you? over
2: the place. Louisiana, Mississippi,
1: Was he Oklahoma? as popular in Louisiana, Mississippi, yeah, Oklahoma? Yeah, a lot of
2: baseball fans, I think, had respect for him and knew, knew of him, yeah. Yeah.
1: He wasn't nearly as popular as he was here. He was, like, he phenomenally popular here. Everybody loved him. Every kid dreamed of being— and it just co- happened to coincide with Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, which is still like one of the coolest games oh, ever. Yeah, the video game. Yeah. The video game?
0: Oh, Lisa, right. You know? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't think, I had I never played it, but yeah.
1: Okay, so I was obsessed with that game. It just hit me at all the right times. This is all happening when I'm 10, which is also the perfect age to be obsessed with baseball. So I know everything about baseball. I'm playing Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball all the time. I'm just like collecting Ken Griffey Jr. cards and Ken Griffey Jr., Pogs, you guys remember Pogs? Sure. I'm collecting all these things. I had a Ken Griffey Jr. slammer, you know, like it was just like, it was the best. So my parents take me to a a Mariners game. I don't remember who they were playing. That doesn't matter. And they get tickets in center field and they get tickets right on the wall in center field. So I'm like 20 feet from Ken Griffey Jr. for a good portion of this game. And I could not have cared less about the game. I'm just watching my idol who's sitting right there. And the entire game, and I'm like 10 years old, and we had to leave, I like we, this is how young I was, we had to leave early, because it got too late, and um, so I'm screaming the entire time, Griffey! King Griffey Jr! <laughs> and I don't know if you remember the kingdom, but especially when the Mariners are not doing well, yeah. it's kind of quiet. Anybody
0: can hear you. Yeah, they yeah. can all
1: hear you, yeah. and so I know he can hear me, and it's like echoing off of the bad, uh, you know, what was the floor that they, they played on AstroTurf, but it was like, yeah. Astroturf, on, like a thin layer of astroturf carpet, nasty. basically on yeah. top of cement. I don't know how every player just didn't like tear their knees up in that place. I would be screaming the whole time, but like a higher, higher pitch voice.
0: Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey
1: Aww. Jr. And I'm yelling at him for like however long we were there. Yeah. Finally, my parents are like, "All right, Jake, we gotta go." Like we get, were maybe they, maybe I was annoying people. They very easily could have been asked to leave. I don't know. But my parents decide to leave for some reason. I don't have a memory of why we left. But we leave early. And as we're walking out, I'm standing at the edge. And I'm just like, psychically, I'm trying to make a connection with this guy. Ken Griffey Jr. I'm yelling. And he, in the middle of the game, because there was like a, you know, obviously he's focused on the baseball and everything. But like there's a, I think there was a a batter change or something. Mm -hmm. He turns around and he, he looks up at me. And he gives me a little tip. <gasps> you got a wave. Oh. Which to me was like I had just gotten, I just heard a voice in the oh. middle of a cornfield. I was so thrilled. I was just like beaming and floating for days. I went home immediately and like told all my friends about it. I was like, can Griffey do And they're like, no, he didn't. I'm like, yes, he did. If there had been YouTube and stuff, I could have looked it up back yeah. then. There was, was, of course, not. But it was such a cool moment to just like connect with, you know, and he was such a cool guy to do that.
0: Yeah, he is. He's still wonderful. Yeah, Yeah,
1: still a wonderful guy. Really nice. So I apologize for yelling at you, but I'm glad I did it. All right, let's get to the news roundup here. All right, Seattle's morning news. Dave was talking about the Super Bowl. Let's hear about this. I
3: have to acknowledge the obvious every so often. The NFL, once again, put on a show that was able to keep me tuned in for four hours, even though I had no stake in either team. How do they do it? The commercials were great. Usher had me practicing my moonwalk. But this year, the game itself eclipsed everything, which is especially amazing when you consider the whole thing happens in real time and manages to keep your attention without resorting to computer-enhanced superheroes flinging made-up weapons. It was rigorously obedient to all the laws of physics from beginning to end right down to the final seconds when every fourth down became a cliffhanger. First and goal. Mahomes it's, it's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Jackpot Kansas City, after which we saw Travis and Taylor embrace for a full 60 seconds.
1: Did you guys, at least you watched the game a little bit? You saw a little bit of the game? None of the game? None. Didn't watch any of it. Matt, I know you watched it. Watched the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, it was a great game. Uh, Well, the game wasn't that great. The last quarter was entertaining, and the overtime was entertaining. Definitely. And my son, who's a massive Kansas City Chiefs fan, because he likes winning teams, he also likes the Baltimore Ravens, and he... Likes the Seahawks because he's a hometown kind of guy, but he really likes winning teams. So obviously he's over the moon because he's been rooting for the Chiefs the entire season. And he shoved it in all of our faces because we were all rooting for the 49ers just because I wanted somebody close to home to win. Yeah, the West Coast. I wanted a West Coast team to win. Absolutely. Uh, But they did not, and the Chiefs won. So congratulations to the Chiefs. All right. G and Ursula are joined by Frank Sumral. Sumral, I'm mispronouncing. Sumral, I got that right from mynorthwest.com they are discussing Jeff Bezos's most recent big bucks move. I think Bezos just cast in a bunch of money. Let's hear about
0: it. Why did he sell so many shares right now?
4: To put it simply, Amazon had its best quarter in in the fourth quarter of last year, holidays, you know, oh, yeah. it was a big part of it. It, ha- it had its best quarter since June of 2020. Very coincidentally, now that Amazon stock is doing very well, Bezos is trying to cut off, and this has all been planned months and years in advance, but now that he saw, because what we call it is a, a surprise earning, mm. and that was the highest since June of 2020, mm. and now he's like, all right, I'm going to sell this at the maximum value. <laughs> And he yes, he's at number two. Accident. <laughs>
0: wow. OK, who's at number one still? So
4: number one is Elon Musk, uh, who's had a tougher 2023 than Jeff Bezos. His, his um, net worth peaked closer to 2021. Then he bought Twitter. Now X. That's not the greatest investment. He's he's losing some money on that. And I, I mentioned this in the story as well. He had a Tesla pay package. Elon uh-huh. Musk had of 55 billion dollars. Oh. where he's and, and the the court last month just said this is ridiculous. This is they call it excessive, they call it unfair to the um shareholders. They're like we can't pay this allotment out. Yeah, how much does Jeff Bezos pay himself? We know. <laughs> <a> great question. <laughs> he his net worth I mean went up. I don't know what his actual salary is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his net worth went up a couple a couple billion, you know, but the mm. thing is like these guys they lose a billion dollars in a day.
1: Yeah, they don't care about billions of dollars. They make so much money. Good for them. Good for them. You know, good for Amazon for doing well. Whatever. It's all silly money.
0: It's all fake money. They're so rich. Yeah. It just doesn't even matter. At what point, yeah. I wonder how rich you have to be for it to really not matter anymore. I guess it might be different for every person. It's
1: probably $100 bucks.
0: Yeah, something like that. I think it's
1: something like that
2: where you just know like- Psychologically, though, it seems like with a lot of these people- the more you get, the tighter you hold on to it because the stakes get higher and you want to keep winning the game. So you see these people, you're like, you have more than you could ever spend in your lifetime. And they're like, yeah, but I'm really worried because everything is hyper magnified. Well, it, it's, it's an illness almost.
0: Well, he just got rid of a bunch of stocks, so he just got more money, so he kind of let go of something. And And Bill Gates is kind of opposite. He fully expects to... Get rid of most of his fortune in his life. A, lo- a lot
1: of these guys have made that pledge. Yeah. A lot of Adam them have Buffett said. Buffett did too
2: as right. well. Warren and, Buffett uh, said he's going to. Bezos's ex is although right? she gets almost earns it back faster than she can donate great. it because she'll keep awesome.
0: giving it away. A lot yeah. of great organizations are benefiting. But
2: it's just but, it's mind blowing to, to see how much that compounds though. It really just blows my mind. It's to a think good about gig.
1: It. It's good gig if you can get it. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, oh, that'd be nice. All right, Jack and Spike, we're talking about Washington's homegrown cannabis pill doesn't make it to a vote. Let's hear about this.
5: What I'm saying is, Guy, is that that the idea that a group of random people out there can determine whether or not I can grow a plant in my backyard or not, that is, I think, something that everybody should find to be obscene. And the fact that this wasn't even put forward to be voted on, right? Now, I don't personally smoke any marijuana whatsoever. I go crazy when I smoke marijuana, so I stay away from it. But it's a plant. People use it for all kinds of things other than just growing the actual flowers. Uh, People, You can use hemp for all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. You can use the oils for all kinds of stuff. I just don't understand why we have this bizarre bureaucratic process that gets in the way. If you want to grow tomato plants in your backyard, nobody bats an eye. The second you want to grow... Uh, A little Cheech and Chong in your backyard, all of a sudden it's got to go to subcommittee and then committee. It's got to be HB2194, whatever it might be. It's exceptionally annoying, especially since this is a Class C felony, five years in prison and $10,000 in fines. This is why I I am so adamantly against this kind of government, right? This kind of overreach. Yeah. And I would apologize for derailing you because that's my my understanding of you. Let's talk about me. Is You're, you're <laughs> against bad government. This is bad government. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm with to you form. there. You
1: know, I, don't, I don't want anybody to say you're... This is bad radio hosting. I didn't actually listen to that clip, so I can't comment on it. But I was reading the text line while they were talking about whatever they were talking about. And uh, Doug from, Puy- from Puyallup said, L- Lisa and Matt are the unsung heroes of the show. So you guys should feel pretty nice about that. Thank you, Doug, for your discriminating Nice from Doug? Taste. Can we yeah. sing now? <laughs> yeah, well, you may sing. You may. Yeah, no, go no, ahead. No, that's okay. All right. Uh, let's get to John and Sherry. Finish Airways is weighing passengers. This seems risky. Why are they doing it, though? That's the question.
6: Finnish Airways has begun weighing this passengers. Is a story that is getting so much attention online, it sparks some debate right here on the set. With that question, <laughs> should
0: airlines be weighing
6: passengers? And this morning here, we go to the experts for answers, and it turns out the explanation oh, the has to do with safety. This morning, the Scandinavian Airlines no. are inviting passengers to be weighed in, along with their carry-on baggage. The airline says the goal is to collect anonymous data on average weight of passengers with their hand luggage for the purpose of aircraft balance and performance calculations that are needed for the safe operation of flights. So far, 600
3: passengers have volunteered for the survey. Airlines use an average uh, for male and for female and for summer and for winter, and you need to correct those every now and then, especially if the population has gotten
1: a bit more... Who just, who's that? You that's said- John Nance. Oh, that's he's John aviation Nance. expert. He comes on all the time. Yeah. With Cairo, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Or pudgy.
6: It turns out the airline has been doing this since 2018, and it's completely voluntary. It's not uncommon for some international airlines to do weight surveys every few years required by their governing bodies.
3: Every five years, you figure the population changes a little in weight, and that's why these tests are needed.
6: And Finnair is not alone. Air New Zealand weighed more than 10,000 passengers last June. Air New Zealand calling the survey essential to the safe and efficient operation of the aircraft, and that the pilot needs to know the weight and balance of a loaded plane before takeoff. And Korean Air did it in the fall, saying collecting this data was crucial for the safety of flight operations.
1: Do you guys think I, – I find it hard to believe that every airline is just going to have you start standing on a scale every time you get – I mean, I guess they weigh your bags now, which is something they didn't used to do. They also measure the size of your bags. Like, have you guys ever put your bags – Oh, yeah. Have you oh, ever yeah. shown up to the gate and not checked a bag, and they shove it into that oh, little box to right. make sure it yep. fits? Yep. You know what the trick is? Jason Rance was telling me about this. Mm-hmm. If you ever don't want to check on a bag and you want to pay for it, he said, just hold on to your bag even though it's too big. You know it's too big. When you get to that door and they say, we're going to check this for you – some legalese or something. He was telling me that they'll just give it. They'll just give you the free thing if you were to check it in back at the at the at the uh, you'd attendant. Have pay, you'd yeah. have to pay like fifty bucks a bag or the whatever job. it is. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a hack. Do you think people are going to accept this if they start weighing people at the gate?
0: No, I don't think that people are going to accept that. And I don't know exactly. It sounds like they're collecting data in short bursts. If it becomes routine, I yeah. think that's a problem. Yeah. But they I, do need the information to figure out how to balance. I was going to say,
1: like, but I, but I also understand why an airline would want this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised this is not something that they just can ask for anonymously on a ticket. Like, if somebody buys a ticket and they say, like, well, what is your weight? And because I, the plane, they need to know what the payload is of those airlines well, of those got, planes.
0: They've got estimates. I mean, they're not doing that right now, are they? Is that what Finnair? Fin no, no, no. Is no. Doing? I'm saying oh. this. This
1: maybe this would be oh. a good alternative to having somebody stand on. Well, a, on a weight how do they verify
2: that? Like, that's just somebody telling you what their weight is. They could Well, they're not. I mean, like, changes.
1: give or take, yeah. Just like add 10 pounds when everybody tells just you, and that's 10? what they're gonna. Yeah, what, what's on your driver's license? <laughs> add 25 pounds when anybody tells you, and that's what their correct weight is. Uh, so yeah, I just think that the, the having somebody weigh at the gate is yeah. silly. They could hire maybe they could hire like a uh weight guesser at like a circus oh, or something, like from the from the and they just have them eyeball them like a secret service guy standing in the background, and then you just go, he goes, <laughs> just goes, goes one seventy five. he's pretty walks through, you know, that's not a bad idea. And then nobody gets offended. Like, nobody wants to. I hate taking my <laughs> shoes off at the airport because, God forbid, my yeah. feet have gotten hot and right. I end up having like a sweaty foot thing there. Like, that's my. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So, I don't like to do that. So, what I do is I bring fresh socks Smart. and I change into them right before I go through do the air. Do you really? No, I'm oh, kidding. God. Okay. <laughs> what, am I a psycho? No, that's weird. <laughs> Strangely, I would have believed it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't do that. I should have just kept going with that. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you about some radioactive wolves next. Not gonna to wanna to miss it if you are a fan of wolves or radiation. We're gonna be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. There's a reason Bucky's has been around for over. A... Are we back? Or are we still on commercial? You just let me know when we're live, Matt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, we're back. We're back. All right, uh, welcome back to the show, you guys. We're gonna talk about some radioactive wolves in Chernobyl. In just a minute, but before we get to that, somebody texted in. I thought this was really funny. I was just telling a story about my massive, massive uh, fan crush on Ken Griffey Jr. Like any guy who grew up, any guy or girl, anybody who grew up in this area uh, during the 1990s, late 80s, 90s, knows what I'm talking about. So I just told the story about how I got Ken Griffey Jr. to turn around, and he gave me kind of a little heads up, like a little uh, hat tip uh, when I was very young at the game in the kingdom. Before I left, I was screaming at him the entire time. And somebody has texted in, whose name is Rick, and he says, I got Ricky Henderson to flip me off one time back in the in the kingdom back in the day, here in the kingdom back in the day, which is pretty hilarious. Ricky Henderson was a great player too. He was fantastic. I feel like I always had way more Ricky Henderson cards than I thought I did. Uh, I did never had enough Ken Griffey Jr. cards, but I had a lot of Ricky Hendersons. All right, let's get to the story here. Really quick also, before I get to the Wolf story. Do you guys know who John Kirby is? He is President Joe Biden's top national security spokesperson. Well, he is getting a promotion. And I just found this really funny, this story, because this is the kind of thing that can only happen in government. And apparently he's getting a promotion. So he's going to be the co-head of the uh, White House. Basically, you have the White House press secretary. who's a person named uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. She speaks on behalf of the White House. But then you have this other guy, whose name is John Kirby, who is really the guy who is responsible for helping them deliver their messages about anything that has to do with national security. So he is constantly speaking on behalf of the Pentagon and the State Department. And now he is has a new title called the White House National Security Communications Advisor, and he will be elevated to an assistant to the president from deputy assistant. Now, why why do we care about that? We don't. It's not very interesting. But it is two people essentially doing the same job, which, again, is a very government thing. Actually, now that I think about it, it's also a very Kyra Radio thing because most of the other shows, except for this one, uh, have two hosts. So two people doing the same job. I didn't think about that until I'm t- telling you this story right now. Uh, but, yes, so in Kyra Radio and in government, this is the only time these things happen. You have two people doing the same job. Axios has this story, and it's kind of interesting. It's Apparently there's this very like tense White House podium battle that's happening. This is in the Axios story. Uh, they say that they share a podium and a mutual frustration. White House Prec- Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre and the National Security Council's John Kirby frequently split the podium at media briefings. But behind the scenes, again, according to Axios, the relationship is a little filled with tension. It's got a little tension to it. And uh, so, why is why are people talking about this? This so as President Biden is heading into a reelection campaign, his top-ranking spokesmen's spokespeople are now at odds, trying to navigate this awkward situation. And what it reminded me of, though, was this clip. This is one is not from the office, although there is an office clip that this would pertain that would pertain to this. But you guys watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Just one of those shows that I have watched since I was, I don't know, probably 19 years old, whenever it first came out. And so I've just watched that show forever. One of the two of the characters, her name are Mac and Charlie, if you've ever seen the show. It's very funny. It's very, very uh, R-rated. So uh, be ready for that if you watch the show. But it is also hilarious and super funny. So Mac and Charlie go to a job interview. And it's there's one posting. There's one job available. But the two of them are there together. And they're trying to get the same job. And it just reminded me of the president and these two people, Corinne Jean-Pierre and John Kirby. Enjoy.
6: Official resume of Mac and Charlie. Well, gentlemen, I've never seen two people share a resume before. Well, we thought we'd save paper. You know, go green. Uh, work experience. Patty's pub management.
0: Mm-hmm. And duties that
6: include ordering supplies and taking care of business. Mm-hmm. TCOB. Mm-hmm. For several years, I've been in complete charge of pretty much everything in my life. Mm. <laughs> pretty much everything. There's certain
5: things that you just can't have control of, sir. You hey, It's a mailroom gig. And there's only one spot available. Oof. Of a package deal. We sort
0: of work as a team. I tell you what. What if we split the pay right down the middle? Hmm. You'd be willing to do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> this is sort of a health insurance yeah. situation.
6: Well, you drive a hard bargain. Yeah. The job is both of yours. <laughs> Congratulations.
1: <laughs> this is it kind of funny. It's very funny. Okay, so this happens. Two people can do the same job in three different uh, in three different professions. You can have Mac and Charlie in the mailroom. You can have. Uh, Kyra Radio hosts on every other show except this one, and you can also have the spokespeople for the White House. They are two people doing the same job. All right, so this is a really interesting story. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. Really interesting story. I was fascinated by this. Back in 1986, do you guys remember the Chernobyl power plant that had a breakdown, exploded in Ukraine back in 1986? More than 100,000 people in Chernobyl, which was a little town uh, whose entire town was around making sure that this uh, nuclear power plant ran. And have you guys ever seen the HBO miniseries about Chernobyl? It's fantastic. It's really gory. Uh, It's got a lot of stuff that's kind of hard to watch. But it is a great kind of insight into the history that happened in that place. And, like, there's a lot of heroes that had to step up and get that power plant, uh, you know, basically make it as safe as they possibly could. So here's what happened. Chernobyl explodes. Uh, the power plant shuts down, all of this radiation leaks everywhere, 100,000 people are evacuated because they're trying to escape radiation, which you know they know causes cancer and is super deadly and it's a big part of the show. They abandon the town. It's so creepy. And if you guys ever get a chance, go up online and look at pictures of this. You can go to like Google Images and just look up Chernobyl... People have gotten in there, it's against it's against regulations, you actually can't go in there, it's like, it's it's the entire city's now abandoned, it's illegal to go there, it's called the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, the CEZ, and it's this thousand square mile radius thing to keep people out so that they don't get exposed to the radiation. But the pictures from inside Chernobyl are haunting, because people left in the middle of the night. It looks like a ghost town, there's meals left on tables, there are Children's play areas that just are frightening. It looks like a horror movie set for obvious reasons. But even though humans are gone, they have now found that the wildlife has returned and roam free, roams freely, like throughout this uh, Chernobyl exclusion zone. They don't read signs, I guess. And not just squirrels and birds, but like horses, big animals. Horses are wandering around, and wolves. <coughs> That's a wolf how, in case you uh, couldn't guess. Dr. Kara Love, she is an evolutionary biologist. She's an exotoxicologist at Princeton University, and she has been studying how these Chernobyl wolves survive all these generations, like 35 years of wolves. I don't know how many generations that are. It's like mice produce really quickly. I don't know how much, like, quickly wolves are reproducing, but they are reproducing, and they're living in this radioactive area. And so Dr. Love and her team of researchers have visited the CEZ. I'm sure they're like wearing protective and safety gear and things like that. Back in 2014, they put a bunch of radio collars on these wolves and they've been monitoring their movements. And she found by looking at these radio collars, apparently they give them like real-time measurements of where the wolves wolves are, how much radiation they're exposed to. And what they found was when they went back and found these wolves and were able to recapture them and take blood samples, that the wolves are actually growing like – protective cells against radiation. And not only that, like future cancer things, like the cancer that should have developed in these wolves is not developing because they are becoming so adept at fighting off these cancers. And now they're thinking, well, maybe there's some secret inside this wolf blood that will help the rest of us fight off cancers as well. And so they're looking into that right now, but I just found it kind of fascinating that you have these radioactive wolves running around Chernobyl and Ukraine in this abandoned, scary area. And then It could be the answer to all of our cancer problems. So it's very interesting. Obviously, that's probably still a long way down the road, but science is pretty cool stuff. And if you get a chance, watch that Chernobyl miniseries on HBO. It's fantastic. It's a really great show. Again, it's kind of gory, but really, really cool. So uh, watch that if you get a chance. All right, we have a lot more coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. <laughs> we just, uh, our commercials are just like just don't want to quit. They love this show so much. We just can't squeeze them all in, so we try to get them in there. All right. Uh this is not okay. I saw this story and as a father of three little kids, I can't even tell you what I would do if this if this happened to my kids. I pray to God it never does. This I mean it, this is like on the scale of horrible things that happen to kids, this is like very low on the scale. So don't think I'm like I'm not trying to overdo this. But this would be severely annoying, and I definitely would have a call with the kids' school. And I would write a letter. I would probably also write a letter. That's what I would do. I would call them, and I would write a letter. All right, listen to this. This is stories on com. You can see it there. A Seattle daycare teacher admits to drugging kids during nap time. Now, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's, uh, I mean, it is kind of as bad as it sounds. Uh, but apparently, according to this story on com, a Seattle daycare teacher has been fired after admitting to giving infants melatonin, a common sleep aid. Do you know what melatonin is, Matt? Do you ever use it? Oh, yeah. I've taken it numerous times. Yeah. yeah it's very helpful. But it gives
2: you weird dreams sometimes, too.
1: Does it really? Which is, depending
2: on how you look at it, that's either a bonus or a detriment.
1: <laughs> sounds like a bonus to me. I think that's a good thing. Um, but, yeah, so melatonin, obviously most of you are aware of what melatonin is. A lot of you have taken it. They actually sell children's melatonin. Now I was surprised by this, but they have melatonin like gummies. For kids that I've seen in, you know, like I think I've seen them in know, whatever your various drugstore is. But you can get these children's melatonin things. And the the sales pitch for melatonin is they say it's non habit forming. And they say that, you know, it promotes good, healthy sleep. The problem that I found, just like just anecdotally for myself personally with melatonin, I become mentally very comfortable taking it. And so I think to myself, like, oh, I need my melatonin so I get to sleep. And then I go, oh, if I haven't taken my melatonin, I'm not going to be able to get to sleep. So I stopped taking melatonin. I was taking melatonin every single night for a while. And it was great. And I would take it, and I would read for 10 minutes, and I would fall asleep. Now I just read for 20 minutes, and I fall asleep. And that works for me, too. A lot of people need it. I totally understand. And they like it. And there's a lot worse things that you can take. So I'm not trying to, like, harsh on melatonin. But when somebody gives your kids melatonin, that's a whole different thing. What would you do? If, uh five four triple eight ninety 5476 If you found out that your kid's school was drugging them to get them to go to sleep at nap time. Uh, so these allegations are supported by apparently new findings. Again, this is from the mynorthwest.com story provided through the Washington's Department of Children, Youth, and Families. The incidents happened at Seed Early Childhood School at Temple Beth uh, Temple Beth M, located in Seattle's Ravenna neighborhood. Cairo 7 spoke—Temple Beth AM is probably what they mean. Cairo uh, 7 spoke with a former teacher at the school. She says she's not surprised by the investigation. She says, I did notice when I was in that classroom that children would sleep very heavily and for a long time, up to two and three hours says this former teacher. Sometimes they would seem out of it or really groggy. She taught at the school in 2022. That's a problem because kids don't sleep, For three, in my experience, unless they're very, very young. And some of them, they're talking about their infants, so that makes sense. Even infants aren't always sleeping super great. I mean, it has to be like just the perfect conditions unless your kid is just, you're just blessed with a good sleeping kid. Cairo 7 reviewed the inspection by the state, which highlights the violations. And the inspection states, Uh, The subject admitted to administering melatonin to children without written or signed consent from the parent or guardian of children. Uh, They say that we took swift action upon discovering that a teacher at our early education school administered melatonin to several infants in late 2023. The moment we became aware of this incident, we promptly terminated the teacher's employment, good, and self-reported to licensing and to CPS. We are fully cooperating with the authorities in their investigation and maintaining open communication with parents regarding the situation." I don't even know how you deal with that with parents. Because if I'm a parent, I would go, I would be upset by this because you have a teacher giving them drugs, and those are the ones that she claims to have gave, given them. So I hope that's all the teacher gave them. But you're just like the kind of uh, decision-making, the kind of uh, 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 mental process that that person would have gone through to just decide to give these infants melatonin. I would be like, well... <laughs> What am I paying all this? It's so expensive to send your kids to daycare. So expensive. I would be so upset if they were drugging my kids. I just feel like they should have to be around my loud kids. That's what I think. Um, Let's see. Gorman Knudsen. I don't know who this person is. Gorman Knudsen disagrees. She says, I do. Oh, no, this is the former teacher that was there. She says, I do think that there are greater concerns than just this one situation. This just this situation being a one off. And I do have concern that there's a culture of people discouraged to speak up. About these types of things. All right, it doesn't sound like it's the end of the world. They weren't giving them harsh, bad drugs. I don't know if this was children's melatonin. I don't know if this was adult melatonin, but just don't give kids drugs that parents don't want them to have. Just don't give kids drugs. Bad idea. All right, Uh, we have a lot more coming up on the show. In the next hour, we have a ton of fun stuff. And because it's the last hour of the show, and because all my bosses have pretty much gone to bed by 9 p.m., They don't really check in on us, which means we can have all the fun we want to have. You'll say that one night when they haven't taken their melatonin. I know, that's right. You're totally right. Or they haven't taken their (laughs) liquid melatonin, if you know what I mean. Then they're going to text us and say that we've done something wrong. All right, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights.